dive in today, our message, we are kicking off this series called Lamp and Light, uh, talking about the transformative power of God's voice. And today uh, is really a foundational message uh, for the series. Uh, we're not going to talk specifically uh, necessarily about how to hear the voice of God or, or scripture. We're going to talk today, um, I've entitled today's message, The Power of Priority. And I want to talk about how we can position ourselves and our lives to really see God move in our life. And we're going to talk about the, the idea of putting God first in our life and the importance of order in our life. You know, I was reminded of the importance of order uh, this past, uh, I guess now it's been about a week and a half, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, my family and I went to Florida. We took our kids to the House of the Mouse, uh, Disney World. Um, still amazed that a mouse is the world's most popular cartoon character. It's the one thing you don't want in your house. Come on, somebody. But for some reason, I'll tell you what, Walt Disney, brilliant. You can market a mouse. Um, but we took our kids there, and we were, we were flying back home, and we, we came to the airport. And my son asked a, a practical and understandable question. He said, Dad, Dad, why can't we just walk into the airport and just go right on the airplane? I said, well, son, there's an order to things. you got to first check in so they know that you're here. Your bags get checked so they can put them on, on the plane. Then you have to go through security to make sure everyone's safe uh, on the airplane. And then you have to go wait at the gate because they want to make sure that you waste part of your life. Come on, somebody. Uh, but I said, there's an order to things. There's a way in which we have to go about this. And I was reminded because there's an order to life, right? Uh, before you left the house today, you put on pants. And everyone around you thanks you for that. Right? There's an order in which we go about our life. And the Bible speaks about order, uh, specifically about what comes first in our life. In fact, beginning, it says this, in the beginning, God, that it was God in the beginning, that before anything else, there was God. And God had an order in which he created life, created the world. In Exodus 20, uh, God through Moses delivered the Ten Commandments. And here's the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20. He speaks about, he says, God gave the people all these instructions. He said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your, slave, of, of your slavery. And then verse 3, he goes on to say, you must not have any other God but me. So here's what he says. Listen, he says that, that I must be first I'm going to say a strong statement, but it's a true statement. And I'm saying it out of love for you. Whether you've been called Catalyst Home for since day one or maybe you're new to the church. But if you are a follower of Christ, the Bible's clear. God must be first. Must be first. Jesus said this in the Gospels, Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God, he told his disciples. And all the other things you want in your life will be added unto you. But you got to seek first. Seek first. You know, on our travels, we were in the state of Florida. And Florida has several of these gas stations. Maybe you've seen them before. They're popular in the south. I think they originated in Texas. Called Bucky's. You ever been to a Bucky's before? 
it's essentially a Walmart supercenter with gas stations. That's what it is. Uh, and to Texas, that's normal gas stations, apparently. Um, but we went to a Bucky's. Uh, we didn't go to a Bucky's this time, but we've been to a Bucky's before. If you ever been to a Bucky's? We went in just to use the restroom. And there are these massive, I mean, I don't think there are any in this area because literally they probably couldn't find enough land to build one here. Uh, but but they're like these massive gas stations and they literally sell everything there. Like we went there just to use the restroom. But when you walk in, you're immediately hit with house decor. You're like house decor in a gas station. True story. And then you're like, they have these massive like snacks, not like your normal, like, you know, snack cashews. You get like a five pound bag of cashews. Why would you ever need five pounds of cashews? I don't know. But if you need them, they're there. And then of course, if you're a little bit hungry, they got the, the brisket sandwiches, which they are from God if you haven't had one. So when the fast is over, go ahead and drive yourself to Texas and get a brisket sandwich at Bucky's. <sighs> And then, just in case you feel in a hunting mood, if you're a hunter, you can actually buy deer feed there. Deer feed. I mean, whoever thought at a gas station, you think, you know what? While I'm filling the pump, I'm going to go ahead and get some deer feed, you know? <laughs> like, there's so many things you can distract yourself with before you ever actually do. You're like, what did I come in here for? Right? I didn't know I could spend $58 at a gas station, but there I just did. In Exodus 20, God tells his people through Moses to put him first because he knew there are many things that will be vying for their attention. And here's what I know. If you're like me, there are already many things vying for your attention this year. You've gone back to work and you already feel that week you were out. Come on, somebody. You, you weren't at work, but your email was working. Come on, somebody. Right? You, 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 maybe your, your kids are back to school and you feel like, man, there's these activities and your kids have got this practice and that practice and you feel like, poof. And, and, and there's all of these things, right? Then you have your New Year's resolutions, right? You have all of these things that are vying for our attention. And those are great things. And God doesn't say you shouldn't pursue those things. God just says, I, I must be first. Seek me first. That's what I want to talk today about. Let me share with you two reasons why. If we look at the scripture, God says put him first. Number one, this is the most important reason. Let's write this down. We seek God first because God is worthy to be sought first. Even if God does nothing else for us, he's already done enough for us by giving us life, by saving our soul. Can I get an amen? amen. But here's how good God is. Because Jesus said, if you seek me first, the, these other things you desire in life will be added unto you. That when we actually, if we want to experience God's best, I'm not saying that your life will be easy, I'm not saying everything you want will happen, but I'm saying if you want to experience God's best in 2024, he must be first. So I want to talk today, that's, that's my point, but I want to give you five applications today of how to put God first in your life. But let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And we submit ourselves under your word today. And, uh, Father, we thank you, Lord. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's point one. Five practical applications of putting God first. Number one is we got to give God the first of my year, of your year, with prayer and fasting. Nehemiah 1.4, Nehemiah, to give context, he had just heard his, his home city, his capital city, had been burned down to the ground. 
And he says this, when I heard these things. Now, Nehemiah was, was an accomplished man, a successful man, a wealthy man, a well-resourced man, had a, had a vast network. But when he heard these things, he sat down and wept. Watch this. And for some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah, even though he was really smart, like you are, he didn't form a strategic plan. Even though he's well-networked, like many of you are, he didn't tap into his network. Even though he had a resource, as we have, he didn't leverage his resource. What did he do? He prayed and he fasted. Here's why. Nehemiah knew, if I'm going to see a move of God, I'm going to declare my need for God. And here's what prayer and fasting does. Prayer and fasting declares my need for God. God, I need you in 2024. I need your wisdom. I need your leadership. I need to hear your voice. I need you in my work life. I need you in my relationships. I need you in my finances. I need you in my family. And watch this. Can I pastor you for a moment? Whether or not you realize you need God, you need God. I need God. And prayer and fasting, this is not religious. We're not doing it to earn God's approval. Not at all. Not at all. We're doing it to say, God, I need you. I need to see you move. Listen, that's why I want to invite you to join us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Today's the first day. Maybe you didn't make a plan. It's okay. 20 days of prayer and fasting is better than no days of prayer and fasting. 19 days. We need another day to catch up. Come on, right? Whatever it is. Last week, I, I taught on prayer and fasting and fasting in particular to give you some practicals around it. But I want to invite you to join us for this. And, and Joel... Joel called the people of God to a fast. I believe it's Joel 1.14. He says, consecrate a fast and call a solemn assembly. Here's what Joel had done. He, he had noticed the people of God were drifting. And he called them to repentance. He called them to reprioritize God in their life. Has anyone else noticed that already this year, like, like the beginning of the year, you're getting lots of maybe, maybe Instagram ads or you're seeing TikTok posts or Maybe you're getting mailers in the mail or lots of emails about, like, these different diets and fitness programs. Come on. Like, January is the fitness influencer's time to shine. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but, like, I've been working this IG account all year for this moment. Come on, somebody. It's your time. If that's you, go ahead. Shine. Shine on, okay? It's your time. It's your time. Because come February, no one's going to listen to you, okay? Come on, somebody. Yeah. But, but all these things are kind of screaming at you, right, to, like, reprioritize your health. This is the time of year <coughs> that, that people regret eating cake every day between Christmas and New Year's. Come on, somebody. Like, you thought it felt good. It's only a week. And then you step on that scale. You're like, whoo, a lot's been done in a week. <laughs> you regret drinking eight gallons of hot chocolate in the month of December. You're like, juice fast. That's it. I'm just... <laughs> It's the time of the year we, we, we reprioritize our health. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But listen, here's what's a more important thing is to reprioritize your relationship with God. And maybe for some of you, here's how 2023 went. Towards as you got to, towards quarter four. Maybe what was a priority began to go down the priority list. And listen, work got busy. Your school kids' activities picked up. And then you had all the holiday stuff and Next thing you know, just God wasn't a, a forethought. He wasn't a, it wasn't a priority in your life. And this is the time of year. Prayer and fasting is a beautiful way to, to declare. Here's how I like to say it. 
Prayer and fasting declares for the rest of my year, God is first. God's first. And it's time for you to put God first. Maybe for some of you, you've allowed some sin into your life. There's some areas of your life where you know you're, not, you're missing God's mark. Some things you've allowed in your life that you know shouldn't be. You're not, you're not living according to God's uh, best for your life. This is a time of year to repent of sin. Hey, can I tell you, it is still biblical and for your best to repent of sin. Can I get an amen? I know it's not popular to talk about, but I'm telling you it's necessary in all of our lives. To say, you know what, this area of my life, I'm not living according to God's best. Here's what repentance is. Let me just, it's just turning around. It's saying, you know what, I'm not walking in God's best here in this area of my life. I've allowed some bad habits in my life. I've allowed some, some ways of thinking. I've allowed some, th- I'm going to go ahead and focus back on God and his way for my life. Maybe for some of you, God was first. Like you, you, you were focused on God. But maybe for you, you lost some of your passion you once had for God. You've lost some of the fervor, the pursuit that you once had. Maybe it's gotten a little bit routine in your life. Prayer and fasting is a great way to reset. Push that reset button and say, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to pursue you. And we want to help you. That's why we have certain things happening during the 21 days. Lots of ways for you to engage. Tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., Monday through Friday for the next three weeks, we're having prayer calls, 30 minutes, as Gabby said in the video announcements, you don't have to turn your camera on. Come on, somebody. So whether you are getting the kids ready for school, you're working out, you're, uh, you're, you're on a commute, whatever. But join us. Here's my challenge for you. I know joining us every day for a lot of you sounds like a lot. For some of you, you will be there every day. I know you. Some of you, every day seems like too much. But aim to do one to two days a week. Say, okay, you know, on Monday and Wednesday, I'm going to join this prayer call. 7 to 7.30, our prayer team leads it. You don't have to pray out loud, but you can just tune in and join and be a part of it. And then every Saturday, beginning next Saturday, 9 a.m., we're going to be here. In fact, we're going to do an hour, only an hour, keep it to an hour. So prayer calls, half an hour. Prayer gatherings, one hour. We're going to have worship. I'm going to share a brief devotional thought on prayer. And then we're going to pray together for an hour. Now, we're going to have three of those. Attending all three will probably be too difficult for most of you, but aim to attend one of them. So I'm going to be at one of those Saturday prayers. And then next Sunday night, I'm excited for this, 5 p.m., we are having Pursuit Night. It's a night of extended worship and prayer. Uh, So we're going to have some longer time in worship. We're going to have some moments in the service to pray. We're going to specifically pray for people to be physically healed. We believe God is still healing today. If you believe it, can you say amen? We're going to pray for God to move in our lives. So, listen, man, come to church next Sunday. Go get your mid-Sunday nap. Come on. Come back refreshed and and join us for our pursuit night. We'll have children's ministry available that evening as well. It's going to be a powerful, powerful night. But engage with us. I believe your life will be blessed by it as you engage in prayer and fasting. Here's number two. So give God the first of your year. Number two is give God the first of your month with tithes and offerings. So Deuteronomy says this in 1423, Moses writes, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. If you ever wondered like, uh, where's this idea of bringing your tithes? It's it's pre-Mosaic law, it's in the Mosaic law, New Testament practice, you bring it to your place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it there in his presence. This applies to the tithes of your grain, New wine, olive oil, the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. One translation says, doing this will teach you to put God first. Here's what I want you to catch where we're here. 
the tithe was and always has been an act of worship. In the same way we worship by lifting our voices, we worship in our giving. You know the word for worship is in, the, in the Greek New Testament is the word proskenal. Proskenal means to surrender. So you know when we give to God, we're surrendering our resource to God. We're acknowledging God as Lord over our finances. Now I understand even saying this, you're like, Pastor, you're talking about money on the first Sunday of the year? I am, because here's why. It's part of putting God first. And I, and I know for some of you might be, very, might be uncomfortable by that, but please hear me. I, I, I'm not saying this. Listen, here's why I'm saying this. Number one, because the giving to God and putting him first with a tithe. And tithe simply means first 10%. And I think what's most important is that it's first. Here's why. Because when you give to God first, you are recognizing God is your source. Yeah. You know the number one area that Americans feel stress over right now? You know what it is? Finances. Can I tell you who is the Prince of Peace? God. You want financial peace? Acknowledge him as your source. Saying, listen, and he is our source, whether or not we acknowledge him or not. Because who put breath in your lungs? God. Who gave you the mind to solve those problems? God. Who gave you the hands to do those work? God. So therefore, whether or not we recognize it, God is our source. And when we recognize and we live with an acknowledgement that God is my source... I'm not saying that's the only thing that will bring you financial peace, but I am saying it's a critical component of financial peace. It's saying, God, you are my source. God, so, so before you pay your mortgage, before you pay your rent, before you pay for clothes, before you pay for Netflix, you say, God, I give to you first because you are my source. That's what it's about. And listen, if Catalyst, you should give in your place of worship, your church home. If it's not Catalyst, I'm not saying this because Catalyst is trying to raise money. Not at all. No, you, you need it. Listen, God will take care of you and God takes care of Catalyst Church. Can I get an amen? I'm saying this because I care about you. I'm saying this because the majority of our country are lacking peace in their finances. And I want you peace. And the one who will give you peace that is beyond what this world can give is the Prince of Peace. And he says in his word, acknowledge me as your source. That's why Jesus in the gospel says, don't neglect the tithe. Because there's something to it for our life. It's not a law. We don't have to do it. It's a principle. We do it as the same way we put God first in prayer, we put God first in our finances. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will be brim over with new wine. The message translates, which is a paraphrase, I love how it says it here, it says, honor God with everything you own, give him the first and best, your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. Here's the principle that when you honor God with your resource, your life will be blessed. Please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying God will, if you give, God will give you more money. I'm not saying that. How many of you know there are, more, there are greater blessings than material blessings? God will bless your life if you'll honor him first. True story. Uh, several months back, I had taught a, a teaching on generosity. And I included this idea of putting God first in your finances. And um, let me say this, for some of you, the idea of 10% seems like a whole lot. Can please hear this? This isn't a law. This isn't God demanding. This is God inviting you to experience more of his blessing. So maybe for you, it's just stepping out and being consistent and giving God a percentage. And then maybe saying, God, I want to work, go ahead and work up to 10%. For some of you, you've been tithing. Maybe for you is asking and seeking God, is there any way you want me to 
to obey you in a greater way in this area of my life. A couple months ago, somebody came to me after, the Sunday after I taught on this. He said, Pastor, can I share a story with you? He said, last week you, you, you taught on generosity and tithing. And he said, I, um, that night I felt the Lord was, was speaking to me. I, I wasn't tithing. So I tithed that night. He said, I went to work the next day. My, my supervisor invited me in for a meeting. And he gave me a, a performance-based raise. He said, not only that, but then he gave me a second bonus raise that was unexpected. And then he said, I was reminded of what you said. Then I was reminded of what my mom told me growing up, that if I put God first, he blesses the rest. I, I can't make this up. Now, listen, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. So don't come back and say, Pastor, I tithe. I did not get two raises. Okay. Go back to what I said at the beginning. We put God first. Why? Because he's worthy. God will, I don't know what that blessing will look like, but God, you will be blessed because of it. But you got to trust him. And again, stepping out every area. So give him the first of your year. Give him the first of your month. Here's a third one. Give him the first of your week by worshiping with your church. Luke 4.16, it says this. He, referring to Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he regularly would gather in the temple. The early church in Acts 2 says they, they gathered daily in the temple for worship. Now, in the New Testament, we ourselves are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives in us. However, there is a New Testament principle of gathering together with other believers, the church. That's why Hebrews 10, the author says, don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Because there's an encouragement that happens in our spirit. There's something that happens when the people of God come together to worship in the presence of God as we're doing today. You know, David in Psalm 27, he wrote this, this one thing I ask of the Lord, this thing I seek the most, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Verse 6, then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. If you read Psalm 27 this week, it's a beautiful psalm because he talks about how in the presence of God, he experiences peace and protection and his, gets a new perspective. I was reminded a, a few weeks ago when we were at uh, the House of the Mouse, Disney World. We were at Magic Kingdom, and we were on this attraction called the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Uh, you basically walk up this pathway to the very top of this, this treehouse. It was towards the end of the day, and, and I had already, by this point, I had walked about nine miles, 25,000 steps. Your boy was tired. So I got my, our three children walking up to the top of this treehouse, and um, one of our last attractions we did. We get to the top, and all of a sudden, you can see the entire park, if you, have, if you haven't done it, from the, from the top. It's pretty, actually, incredible. And... All of a sudden, when I could see the whole Magic Kingdom from the top of the treehouse, like the, the, the park seemed a lot smaller than it felt in my feet at that time. Come on. <laughs> like on my feet, it felt like, man, this park is massive. But when I saw it from a higher perspective, I realized actually how compact it actually is. Here's what worship does. What David writes in Psalm 27, what worship does is worship elevates our perspective. When we go throughout our week and we deal with all of the everyday things of our week and work and kids and relationships and school and all the things, and then we come in and we worship, 
Like we just, we were worshiping this I Speak Jesus song, how he can free us from addiction. He can heal our bodies. What does it do? It lifts our perspective. It reminds us of who God is in comparison to the problems we face. When you sit under the teaching of the word of God, you're reminded of how good God is. Man, the God of the universe who honestly owes us nothing, but yet if we seek him first, he'll give us things. Like, he's so good to us. When you linger in the lobby and you talk to people and you're, you're encouraged by hearing stories of God's faithfulness, you're reminded of how faithful God is, that something happens. That's why the author of Hebrews says, do not neglect the gathering together because there's something that happens for your spirit when we come together, that we need our perspective elevated. Acts 2.42 says the early church were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And uh, th th this word devoted, it means they had a steadfastness, a, a, a perseverance. It means they did not just do it when it was convenient. They were devoted. I was in the gym this week, and probably like many of you, if you go to a local gym, have you noticed there are lots of new people there? Like, it was like 3 o'clock, and I couldn't even find a row machine for my back. I'm like, where, where have you all come from? You weren't here last month. I love December gym. Like, no one's there. It's great. Do it. You know, you can get whatever machine you want. Every bench is open. January gym is rough. It's like survival of the fittest, right? It's like fights breaking out. Uh but here's what we know. Here's the encouragement for all of the regular gym goers. We know come March, they won't be there. Thank you, Jesus. So you're just like, just give them time. Okay. Do you know this is actually a true statistic? 67% of all gym memberships filed in January will not be used the whole year. 67%. Here's why. Here's why. They are inspired in January. They're not devoted. It's a difference. It's a difference. Listen, I'm all about inspiring. Inspiring's great. But if your inspiration does not lead to devotion, it will not lead to life transformation. And I know many of you might be inspired right now. And that's natural, right? It's new year. I'm going to read the Bible this year. I want to pray. I want to be in church. I want to fast. But here's my challenge for you is allow your inspiration now to transfer into devotion. Here's what that means. Don't just think about January. Think about June and October. Like decide today. Someone told me last month, they said they, they, they work on Sundays. And they said, Pastor, I'm asking my boss to be off on Sunday so I can prioritize church. Oh, I, I know everyone can do that. But I love the heart of it. The heart of it was I'm devoted to my faith. I'm going to prioritize church. And here's my challenge for you is be devoted this year. Like decide today, I I'm going to go all in. I'm going to make a commitment in my heart. I'm going to tell somebody so they can hold me accountable. I'm going to put it in my calendar that I'm going to be at church on Sundays. If I'm traveling or I'm sick, I'm going to watch online. I'm going to be devoted this year. Here's my challenge for you is go all in this year with Catalyst Church. Because, here's what that looks like, is what we do as a church, we have an intentional rhythm and cycle and seasons to our church. We start the year of 21 days of prayer and fasting intentionally so we can all have a spiritual reset. So that means engage with us in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Make 
weekend worship attendance a priority. In February, we're going to launch community groups. Decide today, I'm going to join a group or two. Be involved in community. Go through our next steps class. Get planted in the house of God. Use your gifts. Serve on a team. Invite people. Give. Be a part of the life of the church. Here's why. We want to take you on a spiritual journey. We want you to grow in your relationship with God. Have a close relationship with God where you're hearing the voice of God. You're sensing the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We have a vibrant relationship with God. We want you to find freedom from those areas of your life that you knew if that was not in your life, your life will be better. We want to help you to find freedom in that. We want you to discover your God-given purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He created you with a purpose, and he created you on purpose to ultimately make an eternal difference in your life. And here's what I believe. I've seen it. I've experienced it. That if you go all in with what we do as a church, because it's intentional, take you on a journey, your life will be blessed because of it. If you believe it, can you say amen? If you've experienced it, can you say amen? amen. Now listen, I'm not saying your, your 2024 is going to be easy. <laughs> but I am saying that you'll, you'll experience the peace of God and the blessing of God. If you decide, I'm going to be devoted this year. I'm, I'm not going to be inspired for a moment. I'm going to be devoted to the house of God. So we give God the first of our year. We give him the first of our month. We give him the first of our week. And then we give him the first of our day with reading the Bible and prayer. Mark 1.35, Jesus said very early in the morning, it's for all my morning people, where are you at? Come on, somebody. While it was still dark, if you get up and the sun's out, you are disobeying God. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Unless you are a child in the Burroughs household, do not get up while it's still dark. Come on. All the parents said amen, right? You do not get up till the sun comes out. And then you get blackout shades, so it feels like it never comes up. So then it's like, you don't come out to mom and dad, come get you out. Okay, sorry. He left the house. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That Jesus, he, he sought God early in the morning. He sought the Father. David wrote this in Psalm 5.3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. I love that. That seeking God first. And, you know, I was, I was reminded a few months ago, my son had asked me, I was going to the gym, and he said, Dad, why do you go to the gym? And I said, well, I want to be, be healthy, and I want to get strong. I want to have strength in my body. I thought to myself, we, we seek God first, again, because he's worth it. But secondly, when you, when you begin to prioritize daily Bible reading and prayer, you will find a spiritual strength that will come to you. You'll find this vigor that will be in your soul because you've, you've like regardless of what happens throughout your day, whatever happens at work, with the kids, at school, what, like you, you have this strength now because you sought God in Bible reading and prayer. And, and that's why the, the disciples in Luke 11, the disciples saw Jesus walk on water. Now, I'm going to be honest. If I saw Jesus walk on water, I said, Jesus, teach me how to do that because I want to surprise my friends at the next party. Come on, somebody. I'd be like, walk on the pool. Hey, fellas, what's up? He raised the dead. He opened blind eyes. He healed the sick. Like diseases that people thought were terminal, Jesus healed them. He did all these things. But what do they ask him about? Lord, 
teach us to pray. I think they knew the source of his power was in his prayer. That when he comes away after those early mornings with the Father, that's when he heals the blind eyes. That's when he raises the dead. That's when he casts out the demons. That's when he walks. Because he spent time with the Father. One of the most beneficial things that I can do for you as your pastor is to teach you how to pray. Here's what I found. Most people want to pray. Because I was there for a long time. I, I was inspired to pray. I really didn't know how to pray, to be honest with you. And maybe some of you are there. There's no shame in being there because I was there for a while. I was like, I, I kind of understood Bible reading, but like prayer was like, okay, so how do I go about this? Do I need to talk in King James English? Well, thus thou saith, right? You know, do I need to kneel down? Do I need, what do I need to do? Listen, prayer is just conversation with God. It's simple what it is. But one of the best things I can do for you as your pastor is to teach you how to pray. Now in this series, we're going to go deeper on prayer. So make sure you're here every Sunday. We're going to go deeper on reading the Bible. But let me give you a basic framework if you don't have a framework. Some of you could teach a framework. Here's a basic one if you don't have one. Not original to me. I, I learned this from another pastor called the first 15. Just give out the first 15 minutes of your day. Start with five minutes of worship. Something powerful about worship music and what it does for us and our spirits. We have a catalyst prayer playlist on Spotify. It's on our website. Go to our website. You can, you can grab it uh, at different songs. We have a, and then five minutes of Bible reading. Now we have this Bible reading plan for you. This lamp and light. So every day, you're like, you don't have to decide, man, what am I going to read today? You can say like tomorrow morning, January 8th, Matthew 6. That's the read. And if you miss a day, that's okay. If you miss a week, that's okay. Just jump into where you miss and jump into it. You'll be better because of it. Again, I'm going to dive deeper into how to read scripture uh, this series. And then five minutes of prayer. And that's why we have these pray first gods. It's got some structured prayers in here. And again, I'm going to teach on prayer next Saturday in our prayer gathering. In this series, I'm going to teach on prayer. But this is a great way to start. Grab this at our guest services area and have that first 15. So God, I'm, I'm going to put you first. Now, some of you, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, here's my challenge for you as you approach this year. Is just to seek God on a, on a fresh way. God, God, is there any way you want to speak to me this year? Kind of be intentional about it, making sure you're hearing from God. Let me, let me give you a bonus um, to get a journal. Now, I'm not naturally a journaler. So if you're not naturally a journaler, well, I'm, I'm with you. But I have found having a journal where I write, I did it this morning. I wrote down what I felt God revealed to me in the scriptures, what God spoke to me in prayer. It's a beautiful thing when you can have a historical record now of what God's been speaking to you and showing you. And I know this from neuroscience, you'll remember more what you read if you write it down. So write it. And that way you have, you may read a chapter, but God may highlight a verse to you. may highlight a truth to you. And that way it sticks with you. Like I know of mine today because I wrote it down. I wrote it down in my, in my journal. Have that. Give God the first of your day. And I believe you'll be blessed because of it. Here's my last and final point. It's point five. Is we got to give God the first of our life by making Jesus Lord. Now, some of you today, as already this morning, there were people in first service who made a decision to put Jesus as Lord of their life for the first time or recommitted their life to Christ. There's some of you today that's going to be your decision today. For, for many of you who have made that decision, and maybe you're like, Pastor, he is Lord of my life, I want to give you a challenge. 
John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you were to understand context, then it was a very profound and powerful statement. He says, I am the way to life, I'm the truth that sets you free. And here's the truth for all of us, and here's the question I want to submit to us is maybe you would say, Pastor, Jesus is Lord of my life, as we were singing earlier in the last song. But my question is, is he right now Lord over every part of your life? Several months back, we were having dinner, and it's a constant, maybe if you're a parent or your aunt, uncle, or been with brown children, you know this. It's a, um, it's a constant conversation piece, constant persuasion to get our children to eat protein and vegetables. Pray for us. Have you ever noticed children never have a hard time eating bread? Come on, somebody. In fact, adults never have a hard time eating bread, right? <laughs> People work hard to not eat bread. So it's always like, even last night, getting them to eat their vegetables in there. So the other, a few months ago, I was at dinner, my youngest, Abigail, she had, um, her, her carrots were still sitting on her plate. Bread was gone. She ate her chicken. And I said, Abigail, can you finish your carrots? She said, Dad, well, I ate my chicken. I said, that is true. That's a true statement. I said, in chicken, that's good for you. If you good protein, it's good. I said, but, but you, you also need the benefits of the carrots. They're, they're different. And I had this thought that sometimes if we're not careful in our life spiritually, we can approach our relationship with God like that. Where maybe even today, I believe this. For all of you in the room, God's maybe put his finger on an area of your life to put him first. And maybe, for example, it's like he's putting a finger on putting him first in your finances. And you're like, God, well, I'm, I'm putting you first in my week. Anybody else ever have this conversation with God? God, haven't I given you enough? Anybody else? Hey, but listen. The same with my intent with my daughter. I wasn't trying to get her to eat carrots because I wanted to punish her. It's because there's a benefit. If all you eat is bread in life, it will not go well with you when you get older. Come on, somebody. Like you need little carrots. Hey, listen. So here's my challenge for you is ask you what area of your life can God be Lord in a greater way? Maybe you're putting him first in your week, but God's put his finger on putting him first in your finances. Maybe you're putting him first in your finances, but God's putting his finger on putting him first in your day. Maybe he's first in your day, but God's putting his finger on putting him first in your relationships. Maybe he's first in your relationships, but he's not, he's not Lord over your, your work life. And simply being Lord means this, God, I'm trusting in your ways above my own ways. What's the Bible say in Proverbs 3? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all, all of your ways, your finances, your relationships, your day, your week, your month, your year, in every area of your life, trust in him. And he will make your path straight. As your pastor, I want you to have a, I want you to have a straight path in 2024. I want you to experience the best that God has, has for you in 2024. And the Bible's clear. God wants to give you his best, but he must be first. Can I pray with you, church? Bow your heads with me.